Hi everyone, I'm Yvairo and this is Pay for Pot, a podcast where usually two friends brought together by their mutual love of opening space share their thoughts about some of their favorite fantasy shows. I am by myself again this episode, but Pete will be joining us very soon, so stay tuned for that. If you have listened to the previous episode about the CW show The Outpost, and you're listening now, because you're curious to find out what I have to say about episode 8 of the second season, then keep on listening. If you are a new listener and you're not that familiar with The Outpost, then you might want to check out the previous episode of this podcast, where I give a brief description about it, introduce the main characters, talk a little bit about what has happened in season 1 and season 2 so far, and give a review slash commentary about episodes 7 and 8. Now, because this podcast is very new, and both me and Pete are newbies in this, it is not like we have a bunch of followers on our social medias or on the platforms where you can listen to us. Our Facebook page literally has only two likes by guess who? You guessed it. Me and Pete. And to be honest with you, my Facebook friends are useless. And I have no problem saying it because I am pretty sure nobody from there is listening. Like, I am not having the best time seeing how I share something I have literally made and there is no reaction while another person posts like, I don't know, a picture of them next to a tree or something and people are like, 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 I just, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to say is we might not have a huge following, or in Facebook's case, we have zero following, but quality is more important than quantity, which is why I am so happy to see that Dean Devlin, the creator and executive producer of The Outpost, has liked the tweet I made from our paper pot Twitter account, sharing the previous uh, podcast episode, and as you can imagine, that made my day. So, Dean Devlin, if you are listening to this, thank you so much. Also, great work on the librarians, by the way. I enjoyed this show very much as well. Let's get back to the outpost. A lot of stuff happened in the previous two episodes, so let's see what happens in episode 9. This episode starts with Talon and Zed going through a beautiful forest on their way to find the shrine Var Enden. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Var Enden? Var Enden. I think that was it. Yes. So, in the episode before that, Jansu gave Talon a map to this place where he believes that the Blackbloods can find whatever it was they needed to basically save everyone, both uh, humans and Blackbloods. But a giant creature that I'm not sure if we have seen before appears. It kind of looks like a dinosaur, it has like four legs, it is kind of big and has this like horn like stuff that are sticking out of his head but also his back and is carrying a baby with his mouth but not like in his mouth. The baby is very much alive and well. It is more like the creature has 
its teeth in the fabric that is wrapped around the baby. Zed manages to shoot the creature in the head, not killing it but wounding it enough so that it falls and drops the baby in the process. And the baby like tumbles a couple of times, probably should have been dead because of that, because it is a baby. But anyway, the baby survives, probably has some brain damage or something. The beast is already back on its legs and charges right at Zed, but he manages to shoot it again right between the eyes, I think. But the important thing is he manages to kill it. So beast, dead, baby, saved, kind of. Finally the parents show up and while the mother is grateful, the dad being like a... Mm, let's just call him a typical hetero male, instead of saying thank you for actually saving the child, he's looking at Seth with disgust, kind of like nudges his wife to get out of there, tells her don't talk to it. He doesn't even refer to Seth as he, he refers to him as an it. You can see how Zed's expression changes, this kind of change I have seen in other people, I have seen in myself, when someone just drops a few words, it totally ruins your mood. Zed has apparently spent a lot of time on the other plane, on the other dimension with all the black bloods, so he hasn't had a lot of human interactions in a while and has literally forgotten what it was like. He says that he has forgotten how much humans hate him. Then Talon says to him, it's not about hate, it's that they are afraid of him. If you are familiar with words like homophobic, which mean that you hate the gay people basically, but the word phobic comes from phobia and the word phobia means being scared being afraid, which is exactly what Talon says. She was very smart to point that out. I think this is something that would apply to a lot of situations in our real world, a lot of situations that continue to happen even though we supposedly evolve as humans. Apparently we don't evolve that much. There is still homophobia, there is still racism, there is global warming, there are a lot of horrible stuff. But anyway, that's what I mean to say is that sometimes, actually most of the time, hate comes from not understanding and being scared in the process. Knowledge is power. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is fear and hate. So if we don't want to be afraid and if we don't want to hate, we need to educate ourselves and also educate others if we can. Back at the outpost, Mylas, Eleanor and Eleanor's sister are arguing about what happens after Tobin and Queen were not actually married. Mylas was after all promised Tobin's land, so what happens now? Everyone is angry, everyone is yelling, but Queen is not having any of that. She tries to convince Mylas that he has to be a little bit patient and give them time to figure things out. She tells him that he won't be disappointed, he just has to be patient, which he is not. He's not a patient man at all. Tobin manages to, I don't know, crawl out of bed. I don't know how he managed that, to be honest. He was pretty hurt the last episode that we saw him, but he, he seems to recover pretty quick 
which is probably thanks to Jazzo, he tells Myros to basically shut up or get out. As you know, Myros doesn't want to shut up, so he gets out and threatens that there will be a reckoning, whatever that means. While Jazzo is dealing with brainwashed Garrett, who is being honestly very annoying, Gwyn and Tobin are watching how Myros and his army are going away from the outpost. Gwyn and Tobin's relationship is at this point very shaky. Tobin seems kind of pissed, which is understandable, but he promises that he stay by Gwyn's side because she is the rightful heir and the rightful Queen. Gwyn doesn't seem very convinced because she knows that Tobin doesn't actually have any other options at this point. Then it is night. Zed and Talon are looking at the stars, touching each other's ears, which sounds very kinky. It kind of gets kinky afterwards, but at first they talk about how Talon had to cut off the pointy ends of her ears, as she herself says every time at the beginning of every episode. Apparently, the ears to black bloods are something very important. It's what makes them different physically, besides their black blood. Karen has been living this half black blood, half human life. It was probably too painful to remember what she was being the last one. Zed has been living with his kind for all of his life. Most of his life he lived without any humans. So to see them interact and share their different experiences is very interesting. The morning after the sexy time is ruined pretty quickly by the dad from yesterday who has brought some Prime Order soldiers to capture the one with the devil's ears. I get that he's being ignorant, but still devil's ears? Why would the devil's ears be pointy? Isn't the devil supposed to be a cult-like creature? I don't know, I'm confused. Never mind. As we already know, Zed and Talon are excellent fighters. Ten Prime Order soldiers are no match for them. Proceed a very well choreographed fight scene, where both of them have a great time. Meanwhile, Toby, Gwyn, Eleanor and Eleanor's sister are trying to deal with the aftermath of Miles' sleeping. They're trying to guess what his next move is and decide, just in case, just to be safe, that Eleanor's sister, who is after all Tobin's most trusted advisor, has to go back to Tobin's lands and protect them while Tobin stays at the outpost in case something happens there. In the dungeon, Garrett is being visited by his creepy friend from the Prime Order. They do their little three-finger sign that is again very weird and very creepy. Then the Prime Order soldier undercover proceeds to attack Janzo, who is by the way sleeping on his side while holding a pillow in a way that reminds me of a blanket. He sleeps on one side and his the pillow the other side it's kind of like I'm just going to hold this pillow here in case someone decides to smother me with it just to be more convenient for them I don't know I don't know before the whole thing happens we see that Garrett and this guy are talking and Janzo is sleeping kind of weird to see that Janzo is not reacting to 
any of it. When this guy starts attacking Janzo, we see that he has napkins stuck in his ears, which we later learn is because Garrett doesn't know when to shut up. I feel so bad for Janzo. I've been there so many times. I used to live where a lot of students also lived. I'm guessing because of that there were a lot of parties and stuff like that. There were a lot of nights where I couldn't sleep. I was also trying to stuff things in my ears. I did not miss it at all. I don't want to live with students, even if I am a student, I don't want to live with students. I don't mind visiting, but I will definitely not live anymore. Thank you. Next. The whole fight between Janzo and this guy, I'm going to keep calling him this guy because I don't think we ever get his name. So this guy and Janzo have a very funny fight and by fight I mean Janzo basically jumps on his back. He's trying to hit him. He's screaming. It's a very, it's a very funny moment. Garrett is like trying to, I don't know, he's trying to, he doesn't want Janzo to die. At least, even when he's brainwashed, he seems to care about what happens to Janzo, which, okay, point there. But in the end, Munt comes in, he is the one that actually saves poor screaming Janzo. Janzo is understandably pissed, commands Munt to punch Garrett in the face which, again, understandable. Then, this guy is being dragged by Munt to another dungeon, I'm guessing, to the place where Eleanor has her plaguing, where she's making calypso and stuff. She, in a very funny conversation, tries to send Munt with Gertrude, her sister, to basically spy on her, which wouldn't be successful, we'll see. I don't know the way this conversation went. Munt is not very smart. Eleanor had to explained things to him like a couple of times till he finally gets it. I don't think he still got it. It was very funny. And we also got this gem. And I want you to spy on your Auntie Gertie for me. What for? I don't trust her as far as I could throw her. Oh yeah, that won't be very far, Mum. <laughs> that made me laugh so much when I first heard it. Great exchange. Great. We then see Gertrude looking regal as F on a horse, then proceeds Mont on a donkey. <laughs> a great visual, a truly great visual. We then learn that Miles' plan was not actually to attack Agen's horse and to take Tobin's lambs, but it was actually to attack the outpost. He just made it look like he was going to attack Tobin's lands, just so his army can march back and leave the outpost undefended. Back at the outpost, Genzo is throwing shade at Gwyn and Garrett combined. How's the prisoner? Well, luckily for the outpost, I'm still alive. Yeah, thanks to your so-called gods. I'm talking about Garrett. Oh, 
No change, still an idiot. Garrett proceeds to realign piece of shit and is successful in manipulating Gwyn, which enables him to almost kill her. Gwyn, this isn't the first time he has tried to manipulate you. Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Or in this case, Gwyn, just be careful. What the hell? <laughs> Chaos at the outpost. Violas is attacking or planning to attack, I should say. It's not attacking currently. So can I just say I really enjoyed the part when the messenger was giving her message to Gwyn and is calling her a false queen in the process and Gwyn just turns to the archer next to her, tells him very firmly and calmly. Please correct her. And then he shoots a arrow at her. <laughs> but like, not at her, but more near her. Which basically means you are the messenger and want her to. But if you keep talking shit, we might. Tobin and Eleanor leave the outpost to parley with Milas. But Milas insists on parleying with Tobin in private, which Eleanor doesn't find very trustworthy as she was already very suspicious of Tobin because of what happened between him and Queen. The tone of this episode is to make us doubt Tobin, we witness him having this look on his face the whole time, this look of disappointment and annoyance with Queen. We witness characters saying they don't trust him. It is all supposed to make us feel like he's going to betray Gwyn, but I don't find that very believable given the fact that after Gwyn left him at the altar, he still went to help her. If he did that right after, then why would he be pissed much more now? It just doesn't make that much of a sense. Meanwhile, Eleanor is taking care of business just like every good businesswoman would and offers to apparently a friend of her from the enemy's army to sell him a bunch of Calypso. Miles' offer to Tobin is that he gives him back his throne or lordship or whatever it is of Eggersford. I think it was Eggersford. Eggersburg and stuff like this, but under Milas' rule, so Tobin technically would still be the lord of his lands, but Milas would be one step above him. For me, it doesn't seem that appealing, but um, yeah, whatever. What Tobin has to do in order for that to happen is to give Rosamond or Gwyn to him so that he delivers her to the Prime Order. The way this scene leaves is that we see Tobin kind of being unsure what to do. We don't see him give an answer to Miles. We don't see him saying yes or no. It just left open to interpretation. Because Tobin's army is marching back to Eggersford, Gwyn is hoping to find a way to inform them so that they can march back and defend the outpost if necessary. So what they do is basically prepare all of their available words to send a message to them. By all words, I mean all words. As we can see, all of the birds are being killed. They release one and it gets shot down. Release one and it gets shot down. 
probably not a great move to use all of your birds. What will you do when you need to send another message? Can't be the only time that you need to send a message. What happens then? A very big contrast between this scene and the next one, where we see Zed and Talon. When I see this image of this beautiful place, I am 100% sure it is a very famous place. It is just beautiful, you have to see it. There is no point in me trying to describe it, you just have to see it, trust me. A great way to use what the location offers you. We learn that the fortress on the rocks there was actually built by Blackbloods and Zed tells Talon that it would be the perfect place for the Blackbloods that are currently living on the other plane, on the other side, to come back to. It is very remote, it is very far from humans, it would be a way for all of them to exist without running into each other and experiencing some issues. After one of Edinor's sons leaves the outpost and delivers the drugs to the enemy's camp, we witness Garrett trying to maybe escape. At this point, we are not sure what he's trying to do, but he had to remove his shirt or that, I don't know. But Denzel catches him in the act, notices that Garrett is looking at something. What he's looking at is actually his kind of like a swords cap bag thing that he came with. So Denzel is trying to figure out what Garrett was trying to do and finds a tiny bottle with the red medicine that we have seen Garrett already take a couple of times on the show. Denzel immediately suspects that there is something wrong with it starts asking Garrett about it, quickly figures out what it actually is. That way we also learn what it actually is. Turns out it is Nayasa root or something, I think this is how it was pronounced, Nayasa root, which in high doses makes the patient, in this case Garrett, very susceptible, thus easily manipulated. At this point, Janzo has his aha moment and realizes that Garrett is actually the victim in whatever has happened. Meanwhile, Garrett is super desperate. He wants his quote-unquote medicine or in other words, drugs back. His behavior is very clearly the behavior of a drug addict, which only confirms Jansu's theory. He prepares a potion for him that would help flush the Nyasa root out of his system, and with that bring Garrett back to his old self. Meanwhile, Talon and Zed have arrived at their destination, which is the place where I'm guessing Talon has buried the humans that took her in for a little bit. She has also buried the black blood who killed them and who had this crystal that they are looking for. Now, when you think about it, from what we have seen in the flashbacks that Talon has had, we know that this family lives in a kind of remote place. There weren't any other huts or houses nearby. It was just them. 
So what must have happened is that Talon had to drag their bodies to this place, drag the body of the black blood that has killed them, dig their graves and bury them. She was like 10 years old or something. It, it's very dark when you think about it, which explains why Talon is very upset just by being there and why Zed is not. He didn't experience that. He only cares about finding the gem, which he does. He then connects the gem with the necklace and something very interesting happens. It starts growing in blue light. It kind of has this like legs or something come out of it. It was very similar to the flame on the hundred. If you've ever watched the show, the flame is like uh, this thing that has to be put in someone. Sounds very creepy. When the flame is near the person that can be the host, it starts being activated just like this gem starts getting these this very lick like things. We don't get to see what happens next with the gemstone, but we get to see Tobin and Queen reconciling over two cups of very sour grape juice. By the way, I thought it was very weird how Tobin, after tasting the grape juice, he just like pours it out right on the floor of Queen's bedchamber. If I was Queen, I would have been pissed. Maybe you could have not done that. If you don't like it, just leave the cup there. Don't pour it on the floor or something. Can you imagine someone being your guest? You serve them something or they serve something to you. The point is they have something in their cup that they don't like and they just pour it on the floor. Who's going to clean that up? I mean, I guess, yes, Gwyn has servants, so they are going to clean that up, but still, rude, rude. I'm guessing that's something typical to be done at the outpost because literally nobody's reacting to it. Anyway, Tobin tells Queen what happened with Milos. He reassures her that he is on her side, even after all that has happened, which makes Queen very happy. They share a kiss. It's a very sweet and very beautiful moment. Next we see Eleanor being woken up by the sound of money. Money she has made thanks to selling a bunch of calypso to Miles' army. She also gets this weird look on her face that tells us, the viewers, that she has planned something. There is more to what is going on than we can see. All of this is followed by one of the best and most true lines in this episode. I'm a damn genius. Yes, Eleanor, you are very much a genius. Unlike Garrett. I mean, what he does works, but it's not the smartest thing we have seen on television. What he's doing is he's provoking the soldier that is guarding him by calling him lazy and fat. Not a great move, by the way. But the soldier, as if he hasn't seen what has happened, Garrett has been provoking and manipulating people, getting them close to his cell so that he can, I don't know, try and murder them, so he should have known better. But no, apparently he doesn't. He gets 
close to the cell, trying to hurt Garrett, I'm guessing, which of course doesn't work. Garrett manages to punch him and get his keys, release himself from his cell, goes off to finish a job. And we all know what that means. Uh, I have already watched the next episode, the 10th episode, but I'm not going to comment on it right now, because we are going to do that together with Pete. I am hoping in the next couple of days. If that doesn't happen, I'm just going to release another episode like this, commenting on the 10th episode, and we will see when we will get Pete back. I didn't manage to record this episode sooner, even though I planned to, it is just that I had a pretty shitty week. The fact that I even managed to record it is kind of a miracle. I thought for some reason the 10th episode would be the last episode of the season, but we actually had 4 more episodes to comment on and three more episodes in general to be released, which is great for the storyline and I am curious to see how this season ends. I noticed that there are a lot of Serbians included in every step of the production of this season. Episodes are being directed by Serbians. Just watch the credits and you will see that maybe 80% of the names are Serbian, which to me means that even if this season doesn't get great ratings, and even if the CW finally decides to cancel it, I have the feeling that because of the Serbians, we might still be able to get another season. Maybe a Serbian company can produce all of it, maybe it can air on a Serbian channel, I don't know. I I'm just guessing that is possibility for the future. Now this is all for this episode this time. If you are listening to this, you probably know where you can find us. So all I'm going to say is that we are available on another platform that is Breaker. I'm guessing this is this is how it is pronounced. You can find a link to Breaker on our anchor page that is anchor.fm slash fay-for-pop. Fay is spelled F-A-E. You can find all of our social media profiles, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram on our anchor page again. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can write us an email. Our email address is faithfulpod, that is one word, at gmail.com. My personal Twitter is ivaiwa underscore, my personal Instagram is ivaiwa underscore g, ivaiwa is spelled i-v-a-y-l-a. Pete's personal social media is frostrated, and that is his username on basically all of the platforms. Till next time. Bye-bye.